Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Today we have some panelists uh, that are going to talk about uh, this whole issue surrounding vent, uh, veterans' mental health care. Uh, seems like this is a very, very appropriate time to be talking about it, as it is every day during the year. But we have Suzanne Gordon, VHPI Senior Policy Analyst, and her work expands over decades reporting on health care programs, workers' policy, and have uh, authored uh, or edited 21 books. Suzanne has written two books, the battle for veterans' health care and wounds of war. And we also have, as her special guest, uh, Jasper Craven, VHPI Interim Executive Director. He uh, also is running an incredible agency and is here to talk about this very, very important po- topic. Hi, Suzanne and Jasper. Who I, I was start? in. <laughs> okay, Jasper. Oh, I'm um, sorry. We couldn't hear you there for a second. Oh, yes. Um, great. Great to be here. Yeah, um, yeah. So uh, we at VHPI uh, will soon be releasing uh, a new report that that Suzanne uh, Gordon uh, on this call has has co-authored, as, along with a number of um, really preeminent experts in the field of veteran mental health care. And um, we invite your readers to uh, to view this once it's out. It'll be on uh, veteranspolicy.org in about a week or so. We also have a Zoom forum. Uh, coming up on February 3rd. Um, but essentially what the paper tries to lay out is a lot of the pioneering work that the VA has done over the years um, in um, providing integrated health care to veterans that really um, prioritizes and um, values uh, mental health care. Unfortunately, there's been a lot of legislative action um, under Trump to privatize veterans' health care and um, just a few Months ago, there was a law he signed that uh, for the first time really took the specific step of outsourcing veterans' mental health care, which is quite alarming um, for a number of reasons, but, you know, most fundamentally because um, many uh, private sector practices just have very little competency in dealing with veterans' health care, mental health care needs. Oh, I can imagine that. And... Uh, you know, uh, Suzanne, why don't you give us a little bit of a little bit of an intro too about what, why you think this is so important? Because I, I know the privatization of uh, these services could lead into exactly what uh, Jasper is talking about, going into unfamiliar territory for people who are providers. I've already seen that firsthand, where providers don't have the same kind of understanding as a VA system would of um, the particular issues or circumstances surrounding a veteran's care. Yeah, and I mean, one of the things that we're really concerned about and that we highlight in this paper mm-hmm. is that so much, everybody is saying that they prioritize improving mental health care for veterans. The president, the, the soon-to-be former president, um, <laughs> the various um, people on the House and uh, Senate Veterans Affairs Committee, and yet they keep producing bill after bill that either privatizes or 
basically kind of cancels the bill that came before. So there's this tendency in policymaking around mental health care to pass a bill and then forget about it and forget about implementing it correctly and then pass another bill and then pass another bill. And these it, it really creates an incredible amount of confusion, layers of bureaucracy, layers of inefficiency, layers of lack of coordination. I mean, we have the Clay Hunt Suicide Act. We have the Mission Act. Now we have the Scott Hannon Act. I mean, we have you know, um, a healthy start. There's all kinds of initiatives that have been passed. And Congress spends a lot of energy, and veteran service organizations spend a lot of energy lobbying for these bills, but nobody makes sure that the bills are carefully constructed and that they don't, and that they're implemented, you know, in in an effective way. I mean, it's kind of like you, you know, you build a house, right? And then, and you spend a lot of money designing it and and making sure it's it's well constructed. And then you never bother to put any furniture in it or make sure that anybody's living in it. And then you say, oh, let's build a house next door. And um, huge amounts of of money and energy go into this process. I mean, um, and and the other thing is that there's no attention to whether. There is enough staff in the VA to adequately provide the services that are mandated, or staff in the private sector, or coordination between the staff in the VA and the private sector. So you see real disasters. I mean, in Memphis, a veteran committed su- died by suicide because of failures of coordination between the VA and the private sector, and some private sector nurse practitioner who I suspect didn't have enough uh, experience treating veterans changed a whole bunch of things that the VA was doing, and eventually the the veteran um, killed themselves. And I think you're going to see more of that uh, because of the proliferation of of services, of legislation, Mm -hmm. and the legislation isn't well thought out. It doesn't build on other legislation, it doesn't make sure people are trained in the private sector to take care of veterans, but they keep pumping it out, and then they, you know, get to claim how veteran-friendly they are. Yeah, that's really important uh, information, you know, because when you were talking, I was thinking about how many, uh, you know, the shell bills that go through, but then also the unfunded mandates where it's only a bill in name, uh, where you don't really put any teeth into it or put the resources that are required to make sure it works and uh, that it's actually effective. And uh, so, you know, uh, Jasper, was you were mentioning earlier that uh, there was a problem with the prior, you know, prioritization and going into these, uh, sec- you know, going into private uh, sectors. And, you know, it's actually supported by what Suzanne just said about, you know, this one particular veteran who committed suicide. So right now with the COVID-19, um, you know, it's, it's important to focus on this every day, even pre-COVID-19. Uh, but now particularly there is a, even more of a, you know, of an angst or another, um, you know, with this whole uh, disease and how it's affecting us and how, you know, how have you been seeing this play out as far as the need in the uh, in the veteran population for services in the VA system? Yeah, well, um, there clearly is a massive need. I mean, this pandemic has wrought a deep economic 
toll on people, which often then leads to the exacerbation of um, mm-hmm. mental illness. Um, and so uh, we've seen a lot of desperation in the veteran community. Um, and the VA has, you know, uh, struggled because, uh, you know, its main challenge is to, uh, its main mission is to, to bring economic stability and health to its people. Luckily, uh, the VA is a world leader in uh, what's called telemedicine, which basically allows doctors to see patients virtually. And so because of that, almost as soon as the COVID-19 virus came to American shores, the VA really um, sort of leaned back and started relying more and more on telemedicine. So um, many veterans have been able to see their continuum of care um, uninterrupted um, during this unprecedented time, whereas in the private sector, many civilians have really been unable to not only um, continue with regularly scheduled mental health appointments, but also haven't been able to go in and see their doctors for routine checkups or to, um, you know, get assessments on other uh, physical problems. Uh, so the VA has really done a pretty fantastic job on the whole in this unprecedented time and continuing to take care of veterans. Um, I mean, certainly there's challenges that the department has. Many of those stem from the fact that the department is not fully funded and there are many open positions for psychiatrists and psychologists that have not been filled. We at DHPI really think that, um, that, you know, moving forward, that that's a massive priority because, as you said, the, the fallout mentally from this pandemic uh, is going to be huge. And I think it's also important to mention that um, when it comes to the way, and I think we've talked about this before, the way they're dealing with the pandemic, the VA, is so much better than in the private sector, and we're seeing this now um, with the COVID vaccines. I mean, I got a an email from a friend of mine who's a Vietnam veteran who basically just sort of got a phone call from the VA about coming in and getting vaccinated. He strolled in. It took him a half an hour. Everything was fine. I'm I'm a, I'm 75 and I'm apparently in a, you know priority group to get the vaccination. I can't find. I I have you know two different private sector providers that I um, that I can't basically find out any information about this for. So while my friend, the veteran, went to the VA, got his shot, um, and and is is fine, I, I, I can't even get an email back from anybody about how to go about it. And, you know, we're seeing that. Uh, I got a call from somebody who told me that at UCLA they're – Basically, they have some, you know, they have extra vaccine. They discovered they have extra vaccine. They don't want it to go to waste. So they basically call some fancy doctor and say, hey, you know, call your friends and your family members and come in and and get the vaccine and, uh, you know, jump the queue. They can jump the queue while they haven't given it to any UCLA patients. And <laughs> in the VA, that's that's just not happening. I mean, you, you know, you... Nobody can jump the queue. Um, it's yes. it's being rolled out first for for frontline staff and then for veterans and veteran patients are getting their COVID vaccine. It, it's 
it's just astonishing, but not astonishing, because you have a broken private sector healthcare system, and certainly you, you don't want people going into that broken system at any time, but certainly when it's even more broken. And we're really concerned that policymakers aren't carefully considering mental health and suicide prevention policy because they want their name on a bill, they want, you know, their legacy burnished up, they want whatever. And so our, we have a whole series of recommendations and a whole analysis to try to convince people to try to do a better job as opposed to just pumping out more and more unfunded mandates, poorly constructed legislation, legislation that has no oversight, and, and, and you never find out whether it's being implemented or not. You know, to even, you know, uh, support what you're saying about the private sector, you know, uh, even the private sector now is calling on the National Guard and military to assist with vaccinations, right, yeah, with the right. general population. And uh, one of the things that you, you were mentioning before yourself and uh, Jasper, you know, one of the things that I feel, because I go to the VA uh, system, and I feel, you know, a sense of being or belonging with the other veterans. And I love being around other veterans because we have a common shared experience. It's almost like a family to us. And uh, it, going to another outside private uh, sector uh, section um, I had to have a little bit of physical therapy for before, but it felt like just another uh, uh, you know person in the in the line, and they didn't really had no special recognition for veterans and also I'm, what I'm worried about is that there are many providers out there that turn down uh, Medicare, Medicaid you know um, and they don't oh, accept yeah. that so if I'm a veteran and I go to a provider and I'm relying on that system outside to take care of me. You know, am I really being taken care of as a veteran? You know, that guarantee that the government gave about taking care of the veterans, the widows, and orphans, right? Uh, so I, I, I feel like we need to really keep this uh, out of the private sector. And I think veterans, you know, I think veterans really need, if, if veterans fought for their country, they also need to continue fighting for their country mm-hmm. and fighting for the rest of us get, to get the kind of care that you are lucky enough to get at the VA. I mean, um, when Lincoln talked about the widow and orphan and the and the he who has borne the battle, it was part of a second inaugural address that did not conceptualize veterans as apart from, but rather being part of um, the the healing process that was necessary after the Civil War. And Lincoln would have been horrified uh, to hear veterans say that they thought that their system was special and only for them and that, you know, they were the only people deserving of a national health system, which is essentially what the VA is. And I think that, you know, if we need to fight for a health care system that delivers the same kind of quality of care to the rest of us, as veterans get. I mean, sadly, not enough veterans who've experienced the joys of the private sector understand the uniqueness of the VA and what they get there. But all of us should be able to, um, you know, to get that same quality of care. I mean, we now see that, 
you know, the nation's heroes. The veterans are not the only heroes. The nurses, the doctors, the <laughs> the janitors, the dietitians in hospitals, the That's grocery right. clerks who right. are risking their lives every day. I mean, <laughs> we need a better system for all of us, and the VA should be a model of that. And I think veterans should be fighting for the universalization of their programs, not, you know, living in a little gated community where it's a, a mm. social welfare system for veterans only. Yeah, that's interesting. That's very, very interesting um, perspective on that. You know, is there a, a website that they people can go to and, you know, a call-in number for VHPI, you know, Veterans Healthcare Policy Institute, so they can find out more information and stay in touch? Uh, because I know you're, you know, you deal with policy that's in the name, <laughs> and uh, you know these bills and finding out more about why it's important to get involved. Yeah, absolutely. Folks can visit us at www.veteranspolicy.org. Okay. There you'll find a lot of our analyses, our investigative reporting, information on who we are, uh, and ways to contact us. We're currently uh, remaking our website, so it'll be pretty flashy and. Uh, and <laughs> easy, navigatable soon. But, uh, yeah, that's, that has all the bare facts, so uh, all your listeners should go there and check us out. And we're having a Zoom um, launch of this mental health white paper on the February 3rd, I believe it is, at 11 a.m. Pacific uh, 1, no, yeah, 1 um, Central and and. Um, and to Eastern time, and folks can see an announcement on our website about this uh, Zoom release of, of this, what we think is a really important paper. Okay, so, so it's on www.veteranspolicy.org, and then they can see the uh, Zoom meeting for February 3rd at uh, probably 11 a.m., uh, on on for the Zoom meeting. Oh well, yeah, different sounds... times. You know, eleven, uh, one, and three. One and eleven, three. one, okay. and two. Yeah. Okay. Um, and and the, all the people who wrote the paper will be on that call. So, it, I, it'll it'll be a fun, I think, um, discussion about about mental health and suicide prevention. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, that was the last comment. Thank you very much. We are really happy to be with our <laughs> great. Uh, Thank you uh, so roundtable much. partner, Take VHPI, care. Veterans Healthcare Policy Thank you. Institute. Okay. And stay Bye. with us. We're moving on to the next uh, section, and we will be right back. Stay with us. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.